Hello, and just before we get into this week's podcast, all of us at UK Motor Talk would like to pass on our condolences to the friends and family of the Irish rally driver Craig Bream, who was uh, unfortunately killed in a private testing accident just this last week. It's a stark reminder that motorsport is a uh, dangerous place. It always seems to hit home that little bit harder when it's such a a popular, charismatic and entertaining driver as he was. He'd uh, spent a lot of his early career in Fords and, and winning all of the junior championships, had driven for... Peugeot, Citroen, Hyundai, Ford M Sport as well. 82 rallies, a good chunk of podiums and many, many stage wins. Fast, but fun. I think it was a, it was always his uh, entertaining and enthusiastic interview style in the car at the end of a stage that, that got me. When uh, when the door gets flung open and, uh, and the microphone gets shoved in for a lot of drivers, it's the, oh yes, the car did this, or I was slow, or it was quick, or whatever else. With Craig, you never knew what you were going to get. You'd just get an absolute explosion of emotions. It reminded me a bit of Colin McRae, really. It was, you know, he drove with his heart on his sleeve and spoke with his heart on his sleeve as well. And uh, an entertaining character an entertaining driver and the uh, the outpouring of emotion from the fellow motorsport community i think speaks volumes as to uh, to how popular as he was as a driver a competitor and most of all a human being so i think he will uh, he'll be missed very deeply uk motor talk Hi everyone, we are back, and I say almost all together, Jim unfortunately is still at work, so he is not back with us, but may, you never know, join us somewhere later down the line. In any event, I'm Mike. I'm Graham, good evening. And last time I looked, I was Dave. Well, hello and welcome along to UK Motor Talk. Now, I hope you're all keeping well. What was the last thing we were talking about? I think we were waiting for Richard Burns' car to go through the auction, weren't we? And that um, didn't quite make as much as they were expecting, did it? Something of a surprise, I think. Um, yeah, Normally, uh, yeah, Bonhams have a lot of experience with selling competition cars, and they're usually, so to speak, on the money. But not on this occasion. They were, I think it sold for around about 390000 and their expectation was... Uh, Plus the 40, fees. 50. Yeah, sure. 50,000 more than that as the base price. There we are. I suspect that somebody will feel they've had a bargain and that'll change hands again, I think, quite rapidly. wonder whether it, maybe it's just the the wrong time to be buying and selling cars, perhaps. And as you say, maybe someone has got a bargain there and that's been quite a nice investment for somebody. But there are a few other interesting bits that went through, weren't there? Yeah, it, that wasn't the top seller. I expected it to be. Uh, top seller was a uh, 1932 Bentley. And it was a, it effectively a recreation. It was the original body, matching parts, uh, matching numbers, etc., etc. But uh, done in the style of a of a twenty nine Le Mans Bentley, which it wasn't. But that went for I think just a little over half a million, something like five hundred and six thousand. Serious amount of money. When people say, "Oh, you could buy a house for that," you you actually could buy a house for that, can you? That is a lot of money. Would you be able to use it? I guess you. I guess you could. I suppose if you have half a million to, to chuck on a Bentley, you probably could use it, however you fancy. Uh, and people do go and hire whichever track you wanted. Mm. People do use them and go around the world and do um, all kinds of rallies and so on and so on and spend half a million or a million quid each time doing them back up again. If you're interested in that kind of thing, it's probably worth checking out our YouTube video of William Metcalf, who does race prep on a lot of the classic Bentleys. Really, really interesting. 
really interesting and a, a different world to, uh, to to bombing around bits of the country in the fist. I think the idea of being able to turn up somewhere and, and have it all there and ready for you would certainly be an attractive one, a whole team of people to look after it for you. Why not? There was, there was something else as well. I think there's, well, there's quite a few bits that were interesting. Does anything caught your eye, Dave? Yeah, the other one that caught my eye was the uh, the 2007 stroke eight era Spiker Formula One car. If you remember those, they mm. sold one of them fifty seven thousand pounds at the auction. No running gear, so no drivetrain, no engine, no gearbox. But as Graham so rightly said, stick a couple of Tesla motors in that thing, and you will win every single drag race you enter. What a laugh that would be with no weight and all that talk you will be down the other end of the track before you can say, where the hell did that thing go? Well, comparatively speaking, the best part of 60 grand does look like a bargain when you're talking a half million pound Bentley or a 400 plus thousand pound rally car um, by the time you put the fees and bits in. I think probably the other end of the scale is, is more attractive and more possible for me. And I know that every every single week, <laughs> the the chat is lit with with junk that uh, that I seem to find for you stuff that's <laughs> that's tantalisingly tempting, but at the same time, undoubtedly a financial mistake. And uh, I I found something that I thought was rather excellent. I, and your response, I think, was something on the lines, Dave, of "No, no, and a thousand times no," or something. <laughs> words to that words to that effect. Uh, yeah, well, sort of a 1986 Maserati 425 bi-turbo that's, oh, that's probably cool, almost though. certainly ferried bodies around in the back because it spent its entire life in New York City and almost certainly Indeed. as well over the other side of the river in Joyzy. It was even listed as being a, a almost certainly a mafia car, I think it said yes. on the advert, didn't it? Yeah, 100% uh, ex-mafia. There says. you go. And it's the right colour as well. It's black with yeah. a tan interior. So, I mean, none more yeah. mafia. Lovely, but no. Thank you very much. I, I mean, certainly you'd want that deep cleaned, wouldn't you, before you took, took ownership of that. But a, a cool <laughs> thing, nevertheless, I think. Oh, very much so. Fully electric seats. But when I'm turning down things like sort of relatively sort of run-of-the-mill alphas, a, a Maserati 425 by turbo is another level of no thank you. <laughs> I think it's got real potential. I saw the same engine a, a little earlier today in the... Um... 3200 gt coupe and it's just well i'm a maserati nut so uh, i can't afford one so um so that's fine i can drool as much as i like without it costing me any money i'm not tempted mm. but they are gorgeous cars and i have driven both of those cars in period and uh i love them Absolutely. You were telling me something about the lights on those, weren't you, Dave? Um, yes, my my specialist nerdy subject. The um, the rear lights, if you remember, the original 3200 GT, so-called because it was a 3.2 with turbos, that thing originally had the very elegant-looking boomerang lights on the back, oh, which did. were sort of early for its time. They were like strips of LEDs, and that was how they mm. made them so small and... Um, were able to make them look so individual like that. But when it came to a couple of years later where they decided, Maserati, that in order to perhaps try and make some money, they ought to try and sell these things in America, for which the original car wasn't um, designed, they had to alter the rear lights to be the more sort of uh, standard-looking boring bulb type. Yeah. yeah, boring, to satisfy the Department of Transport regs, which, as anyone knows who's as sad and nerdy as me, the American lighting regs are unlike anyone else's in the world. <laughs> incredibly dull and tedious. Um, so... Uh, that's why the rear of the 4200, which has got the um, the naturally aspirated 
uh, amazing i mean gorgeous amazing engine uh mm. that thing has the more sort of boring dull lights well not dull they light up but you know what i mean they're they're a bit more uh, conventional average styling yeah Uh, the the boomerang lights were lovely but they didn't satisfy the department of transport regs in the state so they had to go and that's where you end up with the ones on the back that you've got now either way i mean the cars are gorgeous they are absolutely beautiful cars timeless and i would happily have one had i the money to burn if we're talking about a nation that can't sort out its gun control laws, <laughs> then it's hardly surprising it can't get its bloody lighting regulations in accordance with anybody else. There was something actually in the news about this this week, wasn't there? Something else about lighting regs. Um, was it <laughs> yeah. Range yes. Rover? Yes. Oh, God. This came up on Jalopnik. I do get a lot of stuff from Jalopnik. I think they're rather good. It turns out that five Range Rover sports that have been exported to the US um, have had to be recalled because they were accidentally exported with Eurospec turn signals, which, uh, to quote them, were too beautiful for our American roads. So <laughs> they've had to be recalled because the the orange or amber lights that we have everywhere else in the world and is deemed as perfectly adequate especially when they're led powered and brighter than the sun uh don't satisfy the american regs because they're not big enough and as a result you may or may not know uh, a lot of european cars that end up exported to the states have the rear lights modified so that they flash red bmw are quite big on this uh volvo i believe to do it and mercedes because it's easier and cheaper for them to fill the area of lighting that is required with the red and that's also what uh, jaguar and uh, land rover do but for five of the cars they didn't they accidentally sent them with the proper lights <laughs> if you want and uh, as a result the dot have recalled them and they will have to be swapped and last i read at least four out of the five of the people are threatening that they don't want to return the car because they've got better lights and they look cool and uh, they stand out but i believe the uh, the rules say uh, if you don't return them and fit them, then we will crush your car. So I think that Ridiculous, might be a battle left. <laughs> Pick your battles. Leave that one alone. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think whether the the lighting issue, it was part of the reason why when they took the DeLorean to America, bearing in mind that really it's an American car anyway, they had to raise the front end of the car up on, on the suspension on blocks, which made it handle a lot worse than it already did. Yeah, and um, to bring the nose up. Well, I can't remember if it was crash regs or whether it was lighting regs, but it, it, I seem to remember it was something equally ridiculous. They're they're um, quite interlinked, though. It's the reason the MGB was raised up in the rubber bumper era, you know, because America went mm. through that night of the long knives in the sort of mid late seventies where everything was safety. I mean, it's great. I mean, we should applaud the fact that it's safety, but they went so far the other way, and the MGB yeah. as a result ended up looking like it was having all sorts of horrible cosmetic surgery and driving around on stilts. And yeah, I think you're pretty. probably right, Mike. I think it was lighting related with the DeLorean. I could be wrong, but the two are interlinked. Anyway, crash safety and lighting are paramount. I think even Ralph Nader, who started off the whole safety aspects and uh, following the, all the fires they had in the Corvairs, I think it was. Um, uh, and I'm sure I remember seeing a comment from him many years later that it had gone a little bit too far in the other direction and um the the i mean like the mgb it, it is a good example the trs as well you know they put those massive big bumpers on the front and mm. they're just ugly did ruin it you know you might as well strap a couple of rsjs along the front you can get conversion kits can't you for the the bgts because I, I looked yep. semi-seriously for a while at one 
and then the rubber bumper ones are, are a bit cheap, which I suppose maybe sounds a bit obvious, but I figured if you got rid of the crosshairs at gross style wheels, you know what, and, and went for just a full size steel sort of race car styley, like a center knockoff type thing, and then uh, and then change the bumpers over to, to a chrome one, it would look it probably could look quite smart, especially if you went down the line of maybe a, a roundel on the side and on the bonnet or something. So it looked mm. relatively competition. I think you could probably get away with it, but I'm not sure. I just, I don't really understand American regs. I'll be completely honest. Most of my knowledge when it comes to American, what's, what's allowed and what's not allowed comes from pimp my ride. Um, <laughs> being, <laughs> being a, being a child of the late eighties and, and my formative years being in the early noughties, I suppose. Pimp my ride was massive where they would, they would just take your, your car, cover it in filler, a massive sound system and not bother doing anything else with it. But you, when exhibit would turn up and look at their cars, yeah, you know, they'd have no floor in them. Oh, it's been like this for years, no floor, the doors held together with a piece of string. How? How does that pass an MOT? But I can only assume that's, that must be fine in America. Half the states don't have tests. No, indeed they don't. Uh, I can never quite figure out why uh, in this country they're so hot on projecting wheel rims, projecting beyond the bodywork. Most of the American hot rods have wheels that have no bodywork around or above them or surrounding them at all. Mm. You know, it's just, uh, and that to me is hazardous. But there we are. Different perception of danger, I guess. Quite a brilliant set of um, mudguards as a a complete digression on that. where they took a, a slightly larger tyre, opened it up, and then used those as the guards over the top of the tyre. So it's really hard to spot them. But it does look very cool. We're still with the same tread pattern and everything. So when it's parked up, you, you really wouldn't notice until you get quite close. It's quite effective. I imagine you go through a lot of tyre slick every time you clean the car and they've gone a bit brown, sort of having to get the brush out and, and sort those out. <laughs> I'm just thinking, you returned fire at me this week. I'm not week. sure I understand. My uh, my watch there just joining in. Um, I just realised, Dave, that you returned fire at me this week by sending me back a one five nine, which I think you know I have a soft spot for. Um, oh, that was Graham, last... that was Graham. Don't haul me it into was, this. Was it, was it Graham? I thought it was you. Uh, I, I do have a real like... soft spot for one five nine. Yeah, I've a, and uh, I have a bit of a thing for for all Italian cars, I guess, probably from childhood. But but the, yeah, the one five nine, the one six four, all of those. I, I, I think they're great cars mm. if you can stop the rain and the salt and all the other stuff getting at them. So, you know, buy a West Coast yeah. car and uh, mothball it as soon as West it gets Coast. into Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know, I, 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 the 159, you can still buy them in this country, relatively readily available. And you can buy what looks on the face of it. I, I'm, I'm caveating, I'm very careful with my words here. Uh, a relatively sensible looking car. And I think they actually look really good as a wagon. I think they perhaps they even yeah. look better as a wagon. Yes, yeah. Um, for about three agree. grand, and I have been tempted more than once. And one came past me this morning in red, and it looked good. It looked so good. I don't think that they've made many estates that are as good looking as that since the one five nine. I don't mean Alpha. I mean generally. I'm I'm trying to think of some really painfully good looking. Estate it was cars. a good-looking good car. I mean, in, yeah. the, in the same way, I'm I'm slightly biased, I admit. But the 156 before it w- worked mm. far better as the sport wagon um, yeah, agree. than it did. I mean, the saloon was a very pretty car, but the, the longer roof line, um, mm. I think, just worked better. The oh, In the same way that the Skoda Superb, the the, the one I've got, which is the, the Series 2, the 3T, 
looks quite awkward as a saloon because of the very long wheelbase and the long roof and the very quick drop of the rear window back to the boot. The boot's very short. It's out of proportion. And I was never a huge fan. But uh, the estate definitely looks a lot better. It's still not a pretty car, but the long roof mm. makes it, you know, it sort of just ties together all the slightly disparate bits. But it's, it's not a pretty car. The 159 is a very pretty car, particularly if you mm. were to get one, the 3.2 in Veloci spec uh, yes. in black with yes, a tan yes, interior. Yes. That that would do it. And um, if somebody gave you, I want another 15 grand to keep it going. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was so, Silver, black or red. Well, I think there's almost an argument. I, I think there's almost an argument that you could spend your, if you spent a couple of quid more in the hopes of getting something a bit nicer, I mean, four or five grand, is probably the deposit on pretty much anything that's a PCP these days. And what do people spend on a PCP? Probably 350 quid a month. So if you stuck that in the bank, you might still be quids in at the end of it. And I think they're one of those cars that will just disappear off the roads as they become more and more expensive to look after. People just won't. Mm. And then one day we'll turn around and go, where have they all gone? Because I can't remember the last time I saw a 156. Mm. Um, no, no, that's true. I mean, the, the thing today, I mean, I... I don't know. This is very um, on the fly, but is the one five nine ULES compliant? Because if it isn't, Ooh. you could go and hoover up some real bargains in the margins of uh, Greater London or anywhere else that's got one of these. Um, although the margin of Greater London may or may not yet happen, as uh, as a story for another day. That one, isn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah oh, there's yeah. some real bargains to be had. There are some people that are sort of making quite a thing of saving cars from the ULES crushes. Mm. And a wild Jim has appeared. Hello, I'm Jim. Good evening. I'm sorry I've been away, but I'm happy to report that for this week at least my plumbing is now okay. Although I'm just You're not waiting leaking for the next thing to go. From down below. Just for the hell of it, I might just cut a hole in a pipe somewhere or just smash another bit of the bathroom to pieces because it just randomly seems to it's it's all going round in a circle though. it's going round in a circle in the bathroom of that leaks and then the following week that leaks and then that was I think it's an age thing but there we go you are you're we'll slowly ruining your house by by week by week somehow I'm not quite sure how you managed to do this I don't know so I would say it's, it's time for a new bathroom but it's it's annoying because yeah, the catering fund is nearly there and quite a nice one's popped up this week but it's all I don't know, what's, it, what's the phrase? You can sleep in your car, but you can't drive a house, so buy a nicer car. But I don't know, can you have That's a bath it. in you a can't your house? Possibly. Actually, yeah, if, yeah, you if you leave the roof off and drive, drive it in the rain, in the then rain. yes, you can. Yeah. There we are, sorted. Yeah. You, can't, uh, yeah. you can't sleep in a... You can't drive a house, you can sleep in a car, and you can't... Uh, Take your bathroom on a track day, but you can have a shower in a catering. There we are. Well, and better than that, it's like one of those assisted baths. You'll be able to sit down the whole time in it. It'll be very good. And strap yourself in, actually, as well. So you want your health and safety. There we go. Perfect stuff. Right. Well, good news this week. The good news is that someone finally has been smart about smart motorways, something that we've been lambasting since the absolute beginning. They're not going to build any more, so they say. It's almost admitting that they weren't a good idea in the first place, isn't it? But I think um, I, I think we have to caveat everything we're about to say. I, I read a uh, an article um, on uh, something car related, but something um, not connected to motorways at all. And I think there was the uh, everything the government is doing is with the full knowledge that by the time it comes in, has failed completely or will fail that they won't be around to suffer the consequences. So it's it's almost that they're working their notice and they know that everything they're enacting now, they won't be around to uh, to actually have to put in place or, or reap the rewards or uh, or the consequences of. So 
sod it, why not? Oh, you old cynic, you. And was, well, I read this. It was, it was a very learned man. He was a professor what wrote this, so he's, uh, he's more cleverer than what I am, so I believe him. No, I, I, I share your cynicism. Um, I heard the chairman of the party, who casually dropped into his interview that there was potential saving of one billion with more or less immediate effect in cancelled contracts, and I set myself to thinking about that and reckoned that the current cost of motorway building and uh, smart motorway building, the savings were probably near a three billion. Uh, might be almost enough money to pay the, the teachers and the nurses a decent salary, but um, I wouldn't <laughs> have thought so. Not. I don't know. I, no. I don't think they, they I mean, that's huge, joined up thinking. Huge savings. No, indeed yeah. not. No, no. You could never accuse this government of joined up thinking. We have a short stretch of road near us. It's It was a single carriageway that's now a dual carriageway, which they've built before building a lot more houses, which are in the process of building a lot more houses. Seems remarkably sensible, but it, it's not a very long stretch of road, is it? It's probably a couple of well it must be a couple of miles three miles something like that and it's it's cost it's over budget yeah two miles three miles yeah 29 million it's cost to add an extra lane either side to the road and it's taken them what three and a half years yeah and they've just they've dug it up four and a half years then put the drains in then put the drains at the wrong height then dug it up and then put new drains in and then dug it up and done the same thing again but Hmm. anyway it's it does make you wonder but back to the motorways it's just the new ones, isn't it, that they're not making? Yeah, that's it. I'm just looking at the uh, Department for Transport's uh, press release here, and just to echo, to go back slightly what you were saying, yes, the actual quote is, plans for new smart motorways will be cancelled in recognition of the current lack of public confidence felt by drivers, and here's the uh, the money shot, literally, and cost pressures. So even now, the Ridiculous. Tories can't just say, look, it was a stupid idea. Hands up. Yes, we're not doing it anymore. No, it's got to be financial. That's how we're saving you money. Please vote for us in a year or so's time. And don't forget the local elections are up as well. Uh, cynical moi, yes. Um, it says new smart motorways, including the 11 already paused from the second road investment strategy, which was 2020 to 2025, and the three earmarked for construction during the third phase of this, which is 25 to 30, will be removed from government road building plans, given financial pressures and in recognition of the current lack of public confidence felt by drivers. So basically, there are a couple that they are going to allow to continue because they're basically two-thirds the way there by the sounds of it. Um, I think there's somewhere up north, is it? The M56, um, oh, the M56 Junction 6 to 8 and M6 21A to 26, if that means anything to you up there. Does this mean that they will uh, wave their Lazarus wand over the 100 people that have apparently died on smart motorways mm. since since 2015? No. All of these tragic deaths could have been avoided if they'd listened right at the very start. But no, it was, all, it was always about money. It was always about the economics. It was always a cheap deal that cost lives. It's a tragedy. Whilst attempting to to sort of veer into politics, and then uh, I'm not I'm not known for being a politician, uh, as some of you uh, may know. Would it be such a bad thing for a politician to say, "Oh, got that wrong. Sorry." Is 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 that a bad thing? Because normally it's the I, I've found in in most situations where we've had you know something gone wrong at work, and we've we've got something not right and you know done the wrong thing or whatever it is or overlook something nine times out of ten if i just say oh yeah sorry got that wrong the customer goes eh, oh oh mm. i was expecting mm. an argument there yeah. it's like no no we 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 cocked that up we got it wrong oh, right. i wonder what the legal bods and, have said 
no, you can't do that because you're admitting liability then at that point. That is yeah. the absolute best response, though. Many, many years ago and in another life, I ran quite a big team that, um, you know, occasionally we, we made mistakes. And the organization, when I joined them, was quite defensive about those mistakes. And I managed to institute a system whereby we apologized because that's all that most people wanted. And we would give them some flowers or some chocolates or just a little gift and just say sorry. An apology and someone that does something about it, I think, are pretty much the two things, aren't they? Whatever it is, the issue that hmm. you've got, so long as someone then actually does something about it, actions, yeah, it gets known, on with it. Known and by your fine. actions and deeds rather than your words. I mean, again, telling the quote here, this is straight from the horse's mouth. Although available data shows smart motorways are comparatively the safest roads in the country in terms of fatality rates, uh, hey, on, what? I'm uh, the government. Absolutely. The government will go further by ensuring current smart motorways without a permanent hard shoulder are equipped with the best in-class technology and resources to make them as safe as possible, the government said last year. Why weren't they equipped with this stuff from the outset if you're going to go down this road? It was a wonderful program on Radio 4 of somebody who had gone undercover at one of the main control centres, highways agency control centres, for some months and had been secret filming. And it was very clear that uh, a lot of the staff were completely disaffected and there were major, major problems with the software and all of the defences that the uh, Ministry of Transport, Department of Transport keeps putting up about the efficacy of the alert systems. Total tosh. They don't work a lot of the time. Well, and uh, they aren't instituted quickly enough. And even the Yellow Jacketed Patrol officers uh, are very unhappy with the system because they are themselves at risk of being injured when they're trying to do something about it. Just on, a, on any, a standard dual carriageway, regardless of the fact you've got a, a piece of software or whatever that can identify that a car's stopped, if you've ever seen the devastation that's caused by someone running up the back of a recovery truck or an AA van or an RAC van or whatever, yeah, and, uh, the, the the campaigns, you know, the, the slow down, move over. You see them rather than just bombing along as close as you possibly can at 70 miles an hour or whatever you're doing, move over, give them a bit of space. I, I saw it was brilliant actually. A recovery driver who had rather than a warning triangle down the way had almost like a flashing sign with the arrow telling people to keep right and move over. It doesn't take a lot for, for someone to not be paying attention. Goodness knows, you know, they're eating a chocolate bar, rolling up a fag or whatever it is that people do whilst they're driving along. Certainly not changing a CD these days because apparently no one uses them. Anyway, another story. Um, <laughs> just to lose concentration and just plough into into the back of a truck. And it's not just the, the devastation that's caused and, you know, the, the inconvenience to people with debris and bits and pieces. These are, are people's you know, dads and mums and brothers and sisters and kids or whatever that are either recovering these cars or in the cars, whatever it is. These are These are lives. And to not have the safety of a little bit of space at the side of the road. You know, if, if you lose all power, there's no way you're going to get to one of these little refuge bays. It's not going to happen. You're going to be stuck where you are, and you just need to get out of the way as fast as you can because people don't drive with their eyes open anymore. I no. nearly got taken out on a roundabout just leaving work on the way. I mean, it was it was close on the way home tonight, and someone else, an old deer, came round the corner on the wrong side of the road and nearly took me out head on as well. And you just think, people can't, can't drive with any kind of, I don't know, it's, it's you, you, you can get very cross here, about this me. very easily, couldn't you? You know, and I, I know that everyone listening is saying, "Well, I agree with you. The, the standard of driving is dreadful, and it seems to have got worse and worse since COVID and everything else, and God knows why." But yeah, it's bad. The last time I broke down on a dual carriageway, three, four years ago now, I put out two warning triangles at some considerable distance from the car, 
and both of those warning triangles were taken out and i was very nearly taken out as well cretins out there just just not paying attention i was actually rescued by a, a police bmw x5 who came along and decided that they agreed with me that i was unfortunately broken down in a dangerous position and it was better that they towed me out of it which they did good lads well done that's good policing that's what should be done mm. yeah i mean unfortunately even the, the police officers there's been a few the not so distant past that um they've been parked across the side of the road with all the lights going in bits and pieces and cars have come round the bend at speed and taking the police cars out it, right, so. it's crazy yeah it's absolutely crazy but of course legislatively sticky conversation perhaps sticky topic of conversation should i say is uh, cars that can, can potentially drive themselves. Now, we've all sort of dreamed of the full autonomy, haven't we, where you can, you can climb in the back of the car and go to sleep or something, it'll drive you up to Wales or Scotland, <laughs> and you, you'll drive up overnight. But we have moved a step closer, I think, this week, haven't we? Yeah, and it's of, uh, of all people, you wouldn't uh, have thought it would have been Ford who would have come up with a self-driving system first off, would you? Because it's their IT issues or production issues or bits and pieces like that. Is well, not you know the 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 struggles to get the app working have been uh, have been fairly famous, and it's it's certainly not a a good app that they have. So yeah, first of all, I'm not quite sure I trust it still, given everything going on. But it's uh, it seems fairly good on the face of it, and the video presenting it all looks very good. But it's only on motorways isn't it so it's only on i mean the as we are on the uh sussex riviera where what an hour's drive from the nearest motorway i think up to crawley or the a3m around by portsmouth so it's just under an hour for us if you're in norfolk etc then forget it there's there's no chance there's a big old chunk of the map that doesn't have a blue bit of road on it i think it would be interesting to go out and try it i think but it, it doesn't do lane changes for example, so it, it won't do an autonomous lane change. It won't do a, oh, hang on, there's a big lorry in front of me. He's doing 55. I'll go round him. So it will just latch on to the back of him and off you go. Okay, maybe in an EV, is, is that such a bad thing? Because you just sit there at a fairly efficient speed, slipstreaming a lorry. And if, if you're keep the speed. not really driving, then okay. So if you're yeah. sat in the back and asleep, it's maybe okay. But if you need to be there at a certain time, then you have to do the lane changes yourself. So... If you're using that, will you just sit in the middle lane and think, well, I'll set it at 70, so in theory I'm overtaking lorries and nobody should be overtaking me, so 70 miles an hour, middle lane, off we go. It's called Blue Cruise, actually, this system, isn't it? So it makes, I guess, maybe because it's the motorways, or, or maybe that's the American name for it, but yeah, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? This is, I think, part of Ford's desire, like many manufacturers, to, to make people pay monthly for something. That's about yes. 18 ah, quid yes. a month. This, this was the other thing, was it? £18 a month. That's it. It's another subscription service. I was also amused by the fact that uh, the system includes a camera which watches you to make sure you're paying attention, not reading a paper, not falling asleep, etc., etc. Yeah, um, that's right. And switches the system off if it detects the fact that uh, you've scotch taped across the uh, the camera um, <laughs> or whatever. It's just a, a spy in the cab, basically, quite literally, isn't it? Yeah. They've got, I think it's three cameras that face the driver to make mm. sure that you're, you're, as you say, paying attention and that you're still awake so you're not blinking and presumably haven't got sunglasses <laughs> on. I know. It works if you've got sunglasses on. It does work if you've got sunglasses on. Yeah, it looks um, at your, uh, analyzes your head movements, apparently. So as long uh, as your head doesn't slump forward, 
then you're okay. So if you're going to fall, as long as you gaffer tape your head to the headrest <laughs> so it doesn't flop forward or, I don't know, wrap a hands device around your earlugs or something and, um, yeah, just stop your head flopping forwards. You're okay. But the gaffer it, the, tape's probably on the options list, I guess. The, the thing is that your, your car already does this to, a, to, a, to an extent, doesn't it, Jim? Apart from you can't take your hands completely off the steering wheel. As long as you, you apply some weight somewhere, it pretty much does this already. It just follows yeah, the road it'll along. it'll drive itself. It'll bob along in the lane and it'll do, you know, dual carriageway type corners. It'll see those, but it's reactive rather than... I suppose the the blue cruise is a mix of reactive and proactive. It uh, it knows where it is and which way the road goes and how it bends left and right. So presumably makes some prediction for that. Whereas uh, the system as it is at the moment just looks at the two white lines and it's a bit it sort of bounces around between the white lines. But it does keep the car between them. And as I say, on a a reasonable amount of steering input into a bend on a dual carriageway, it'll keep you in the lane. But mm. pongs at you if you take your hands off the wheel. If it can't detect the resistance or the torque back through the wheel then it it shouts at you but yeah it's it's not a a huge step over the system it has at the moment but yeah just i i don't know i I mean you can you can opt in and out of it so if you're uh, you know we looked at it for where we are and thought well that's utterly pointless because we never use it so okay fine it's not aimed at us but if i had to drive from here to scotland tomorrow then i think you get was it 90 days free and then 19 quid a month 18 quid a month whatever it is so yeah i don't know it was a one-off what do you think oh we've got a road trip to scotland tomorrow so let's pay for it for that i'm i'm i don't know i'm not sure really but it's just it's a lot of money i I heard when it was announced i heard uh ford's uh uk ceo um on radio four i'm a bit of an addict for the today program and she um was suggesting that that was just level two uh, on the autonomy scale that they got to, and uh, she really thought that they were some way off getting to level five, the full autonomy. Thank God for that. Uh, let's get level two sorted first, and I, I, I'm yet to be convinced of it, but uh, there's a sort of inevitability about it, I guess. I don't know. With uh, with with my car, I'd just like it to actually open when I press the button on the door to open the car <laughs> just, just every time and not not five times i don't know that, that would be handy but I'm, I'm i'm not against autonomy per se i have to say it, it i think in a lot of cases it would probably improve the driving standard as long yep. as it can see and communicate when a smart motorway is shut and it can see that the car is being recovered up ahead and allows itself enough time to get to move out the way and and not have to brake and launch itself up a ramp or whatever it is that, that it's potentially going to do. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure that until such time as it can drive itself on its own, there's much point. I think we've got to the, the point with lane centering and radar guided crews. This isn't that much better. I don't think it's necessarily 18 quid a month better. Right, so. No, unless, unless you can sit in a, like we've mentioned in the past, unless you can sit in a train with other cars that literally you've driven on the motorway, you tuck in behind, put it in auto, and you yeah. just go and get off when you want to get off. I can't really see much point in it either. It's either autonomous or it's not autonomous. You know, how autonomous can it be? I mean, the improvement over the sort of standard of driving if the thing can recognise a red cross in the overhead gantry and sort of move out of that lane, that'll be a yes. start because 99% of the rest of the people on the bloody motorways these days don't seem to be able to do it. Yes, and and I, I kind of get that, that not everyone is interested in driving. I get that. And from the you What know, the worries drive... me is when people aren't interested in driving when they're actually driving. 
That, yeah. That's yes. the thing. I get, I get you might not be interested, but when you're doing the thing, at, at least pay attention to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it, it, it gets me from uh, A to B, and however many cars I crash into or people I kill on the way doesn't seem to matter very much. Mm. <laughs> They're all the sort of person that go, well, I set off this, well, I don't know how I've got here, but I'm here. Oh, well, right, now <laughs> time to start work. They're the sort of people that really ought to just have their driving licenses shredded. Yeah. <laughs> if they've I'd got agree. one. Just one final uh, thought on autonomous driving. It's you know, it's, I've just thought of this. It's a bit like um, having a toddler. So they can walk from one side of the room to the other. They can climb up on the sofa, jump around for a bit, and then jump down again and toddle about as toddlers do. But you you always have to keep an eye on them. So and actually, in a way, that's a bit more stressful than walking across the room yourself and jumping up and down on the sofa and then walking back again. So it's that, is it actually more stressful to keep an eye on something doing something because you don't quite trust it than it is just to do the thing yourself? I, I, I think it probably is. Mm. I think that's well said. Very well said. Yep, agree. I think it's just going to encourage people to not pay attention. It's going to give point. them the excuse. They can go, oh, the, the car thought it was all right. No, oh, yeah. never mind the fact that you're the one who's actually supposed to be trained to be sat in the seat of that thing, regardless of what it's doing. You're still responsible. That'll just hmm. be legal tie-ups for the foreseeable future once that comes in. It's, it's a whole new area, and it's going to get very, very messy. Hopefully not in terms of accidents and so on, but in terms of the the red tape it's just beginning and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse when i was a kid my parents were driving along in the orion and it was at the roundabout up near the big tesco's near near where we used to live and a bloke came up behind as in as a classic roundabout smashed into the back of the car because his wife had said oh it's okay to go uh, and hadn't bothered looking ahead at all and so he got out of the car so my wife said it was okay and it was her birthday, so she was obviously right. Does she drive? <laughs> no. His wife didn't drive and said it was okay to go, smashed up the back of the car. And ridiculous, we'd had it just it just come back from someone smashing up the back of it in the uh, in the car park. In, uh, yeah, I, think, I can't remember it was, Worthing or somewhere or another, at, at a barrier. So the barrier was down at the toll booth. And he just came flying down the ramp and smashed up the back of it. I remember my dad being absolutely furious at this bloke. Having, <laughs> having done this, it was, I think it was about a week later. Having done it again, but are we going to end? This? Oh, my wife said it was okay. Oh, my car said it was okay, so I just went. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, was your you was your wife behind the wheel? No. Well, I think that renders her opinion null and void. Then, really, doesn't it? Give us your yeah. details and. F- off. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess on that fantastic ending, it is probably time for us to end. It's been a pleasure speaking with you all this evening, and look forward to speaking to you next time. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye, look after yourselves, take it easy on the road. Yeah, take care, see you next time. UK Motor Talk, a first take media production.